Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 249. You go from feeling invisible to being seen and celebrated. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. It's been a couple of weeks now since the holidays, and things are starting to calm down. All the celebrations and the parties are over. The after-holiday shopping and returning frenzy is over. And all the eating and drinking has leveled off. And you know what else is starting to become a memory now? Those New Year's resolutions. But for me, one of them is part of the master plan. You see, I make a commitment every single year that with the click of my champagne glass at midnight, I get serious again about my Whole30 diet. Not really to lose weight, although that's a great side benefit, but to refresh after what I've just put my body through. Not enough sleep, lots of heavier foods than I would normally eat, just an overall cleanup to start the year. I can typically go about 20 days or so really strict, like to the books, Whole30. And then after that, I lighten up into something that I can actually live with throughout the year. Over on the business side, I also do a refresh. I pick a theme word for each year. And truth be told, this year, it's going to be the same one as it was last year. Visibility. I'm giving myself grace about not really attacking this in 2019. Because to be honest, emotionally, I just couldn't do it. As my mom was in her final year, I wanted to be there for her, and it was hard sometimes to be present in the way I would have liked. Doing something where I'd be stretching myself and being more visible, well, I knew I'd be showing up more acting than really being myself, if that makes sense. So I intentionally put this initiative on hold. Luckily, we can do that as business owners, right? My mom has now made her journey, and both my businesses actually had a really good year. So now I'm back full force with visibility top of mind. That makes my guest today really relevant to me, (laughs) and regardless of your yearly focus word, should be relevant to you too. Here's the simple truth and why visibility is so important. If people don't know you exist, however are they going to get to know you become comfortable and believe in you, which then leads them to buy your products. And guess what? Surprise, surprise, we are not talking about social media, although it plays a little bit of a backup role to our discussion here. Let's get right into how this form of visibility is so important to your business and can actually make everything you do in 2020, well, easier. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Josh Elledge of Up My Influence. Josh is a U.S. Navy veteran and launched Up My Influence to help entrepreneurs attract perfect audiences and grow their brands without the crazy costs associated with traditional PR companies. 
up my influence's purpose is to democratize access to influence. Josh believes he has a moral imperative to help entrepreneurs serve the world with their collective messages while growing their revenue. Up My Influence was the natural outgrowth of his first startup called Saving Angels, which has grossed more than $6 million in sales with less than $500 in advertising. That is so amazing, I'm going to repeat that. Grossed more than $6 million in sales with less than $500 in advertising. And he did it all through building authority and serving audiences in the media. Josh is a weekly TV consumer expert in Orlando writes a syndicated newspaper column to 1.1 million readers, and regularly appears on more than 75 TV stations across the country. All told, Josh has appeared in the media more than 2,000 times. Josh loves living in Orlando, Florida with his wife and three children. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, Josh. Sue, thank you so much. I am so glad we connected. And just by that intro, everyone already understands why you're on the show (laughs) and everything we're going to be talking about. (laughs) That's great. My aim is to replicate what I was able to do for anybody else who's listening. There is absolutely a formula for this. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to dive deep for those goodies, Josh. (laughs) But before we do that, I have a tradition here on the show, and I'd like you to describe yourself by way of a motivational candle. So Mm -hmm. if you were to envision this candle that really speaks to you, what color would it be and what would be the saying on your candle? Yeah, I mean, I think I would go with like, I'm a big fan of blue and especially that as it starts to get a little bit of tint of green in there as well, but not too much. And just because I resonate, I really like that color. It's just very clean. It just feels like streamlined. It's just a very confident color. And so along with that, I think the quote that I've really leaned on more than any other would probably be Abraham Lincoln, who said that a man or woman is just as happy as they make up their mind to be. And it's a reminder of I have a fairly existential personality where I just truly believe that we're far more impactful on our outcomes than we give ourselves credit for. And similarly, I know sometimes it can be really hard and there's some definitely some tough parts of business. It can be really stressful and I still have those from time to time. But I know that I will be my highest good if I choose to kind of, you know, Tony Robbins would talk about, you know, live with passion, just to keep myself in a peak energy state where I can truly serve others as best as possible. Yeah. And I think what that says to me, too, is you're taking control and ownership of where you exist today and what your future could be, right? Instead of being the defeatist, all these other things are happening to me. It actually kind of aligns with your color, too. Because when you say blue, green, I think very corporate kind of professional, not necessarily, I don't mean corporate in a bad way. I mean it in a good way, but professional and in control and systems and all of that, which aligns with also doing that same thing for your life and where you're trying to go, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I hear you. And again, I don't want to make light of anyone who has challenges in business. Listen, everyone has challenges in business. It's we get into this full well, knowing that there's a lot that rests upon our contribution, what we do. You can blame the economy. You can blame the president. You can blame anybody if you want. And there's certainly bad circumstances that come our way, but our goal is to succeed despite those circumstances. Build your business for a season of winter. Build it for the hard times. Make it so resilient 
develop so many great systems that make success all but inevitable is really the goal I think all of us should have. Ooh, making success all but inevitable. I like that. Is that a quote somewhere or did you just say that? I think I just made it up. <laughs> okay, well, I think you can own it. I better patent that real quick. I'm going to let you own that right now. <laughs> There's your good tweetable, by the way. <laughs> exactly. If you want to tag me on Twitter, at Josh Elledge, let me know that you heard us on Sue's show, and I'd love to retweet that to my audience. Oh, that sounds great. You might see it in an Insta quote, too, here connected with the show <laughs> when we get to that point. So, well, first off, and bringing a little bit of seriousness to the show, I guess, I really do want to thank you for your service before we even start in the conversation. Anybody who serves in any of our branches, I just have so much respect for. So thank you so much for that. Oh, my gosh, yes. Thank you. It's my honor. <laughs> <laughs> so share with us where life took you after you got out of the military. When I got out of the military, I went to school for family therapy because I wanted to be a love doctor on the radio. I was actually a journalist in the U.S. Navy. So thankfully, I didn't experience any battle or anything like that. I really got to just focus on informing and entertaining my fellow military brothers and sisters. But from there, I went to college for a few years, did internet development for corporate America for a few years, was kind of miserable doing that and recognized I needed to do my own thing and start my own company. So I started one and that failed. And then I started another one and that failed. And I started a third one that failed, started a fourth one that failed, fifth one that really, really failed badly, ended up losing a house and declaring bankruptcy as a result of that. And it wasn't until six business did pretty good, but eventually I had to make a hasty exit out of that. But thankfully, I had started Savings Angel. And this was about just over 12 years ago. And when I started it, I had no money, but I had a great idea. I mean, I had figured out how consumers could cut their grocery bill in half. And that makes a big difference for someone who's, you know, and it was really just based out of necessity because we were going through uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We got to the part where you need to come up with a spending plan. And I asked my wife, and I just remembered this so distinctly, hey, how much do we spend at the grocery store? Like maybe like $400 a month. And she laughed at me and she goes, we spend like $800. If I was drinking coffee at the time, I would have spit it out and say, $800, that's a lot of money. That is a ton of money to feed your family. And that's the average is now north of $900. So gosh, there's got to be a way that we could do this better. And so I just started reading every single expert I could on the subject about how to cut a grocery bill in half. And I found out that there was two ways you could do that. You could either grow all your own food, and that is a possibility, but not for me, because I was horrible at that. And I just knew that as a busy business owner, and we had two and three young kids at the time, there was just no way we were really going to be able to do a whole lot of gardening, certainly not farming. So that really wasn't a good option for us. Every time I tried, I'd failed miserably. The other option is that you just get really, really good at stacking discounts. And it's a little complicated to do on your own. You really, a lot of extreme couponers will keep these binders and do a lot of math. I created a system that would do that automatically. And so all I simply did was built up a system where I would database all the available manufacturer coupons and all the available store sales. And it's just really about timing. So Cheerios would put a $1 coupon off Cheerios. And at the same time, there might be a buy one, get one at a local store. Well, you could take the cost of a box of cereal down from $4 to under a dollar or more. I've gotten cereal for like 20 some cents a box at times if you do it right. And so that makes a huge difference. I mean, if the average family could pocket an extra three, $400 every single month, I knew that that would make a huge difference in a lot of lives. And so I created it, but, and it was a great idea, 
but you can have the best idea in the world. If you don't have visibility soon, we'll talk a lot about this. You can have the best craft in the world. You can have the best product in the world. But honestly, at the end of the day, we're not going to get discovered. That's just not how it works. It's not about creating the most amazing widget or most amazing product ever. That's important. But honestly, the majority of our work needs to be about creating visibility, awareness. We have to get in front of eyeballs. That's the only way that we can really, truly grow a business if we're focusing on growth. And so with Savings Angel, I just reached out to everybody that had an audience. And I said, look, I'd love to pay your ads, but I don't have a budget for that. Could I instead maybe do a segment and just focus on delivering value and tell people how to get free groceries every single week? And so a local radio station said, sure, we'll have you on. And so I did the radio segment. And at the time, I didn't even have enough money, Sue, to pay my utility bill. And I had made enough in that five-minute radio segment. I got home, and I had made enough to pay my heating bill that week. And I just kind of kept at it. So I just kept showing up and kept doing more and more and more media. I wasn't very good at the beginning. I was horrible, in fact. But I just kept doing it over and over again. And so today, I've done over 2,000 media appearances now. Savings Angels done over $6 million in revenue. And like you said, we've spent less than $500 in advertising. Just everything we do is just all about giving value to audiences. That's crazy. So I have a couple of questions here for you. And I've heard somewhere that the product is about 10% of the success of the company. Marketing and getting your message out is the other 90. I believe it. So you're kind of referencing that. So how does Savings Angel make money? So now for the longest time, we were a membership-based website. So we would charge consumers $5 a week. And if they just followed our system, then it would be very, very simple for them to pocket three to $400 from the grocery store because we would index, listen, all you got to do is go to Publix or Meyer or Target and you bring in this coupon and you'll be able to get your baby food or your diapers or whatever it is. And we would show them exactly how to get that deal, exactly how the math worked. So they could really just kind of what I would do is every week, I would just say, okay, just show me all the 60% off or better deals. And I would just load up on that stuff. So that's kind of the idea is you want to, and unfortunately, we no longer offer the service. We're just a plain old blog now (laughs) because I've gotten too busy with other things too, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But businesses evolve and change and adjust. And during the time that Savings Angel was going, couponing was a big thing. Absolutely. Now it's a lot of natural savings if you come to the store and all different types of things, right? But Mm -hmm. I remember seeing television clips, and maybe some of these were from you, I don't know, but where people would check out and they would have this whole big cart full of product and the bill would be under $5 or something so crazy and unbelievable. So I remember those times for sure. But I do have another question, and then I want to get into the guts of why we're here. So you were talking in the beginning about you started a business, it didn't work, started another business, it didn't work. Six businesses in, how was it that you continued to motivate yourself and go forward and just say, I know one of these is going to work versus stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to get a job somewhere? What made you push through? Well, one thing that you'll find that if you're out and you're circulating, and you're busy, and you're networking, and you're just in that environment, you're going to come across other opportunities. One of the bad businesses that failed very miserably was a newspaper, a small town newspaper, which is a horrible business to start. I had created a blog to go along with that as well. And this is back before blogs were really even a thing. But I was afraid of selling. And so that's a problem (laughs) because if you want to run a successful publishing platform, you got to have advertisers. And I was afraid to approach advertisers and ask for their money. So again, that's a big problem. 
Well, I learned that one pretty painfully. But my next business, I was actually working as a freelancer doing sales and marketing. And I did that for five years. And that was a tough gig. But man, did I learn a lot. And I learned a lot about how selling, it's not about selling. It's just about bringing value to someone's life. And you always want to just stack the deck so that you're bringing more value to them than what you ask in return. And I've just always made that a principle of my businesses over the past 12 years. Now with Up My Influence, especially, we just deliver a ton of value. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a great example of a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, it didn't work. I can't run my own business. I would be a terrible business owner. I just proved it. My first company didn't work. But you're a great example of learning, adjusting, trying again along the way, picking up more skills. And people who are working nine to fives, you don't even realize how much you're learning on the job that then you could apply to your business as you move forward. So I wanted to underline that and talk about it a little bit because of the example that you set. So and look at you now. So it just shows keep going. If that's something that's in your heart, you guys keep going and don't stay too long. Like this would be a good final question before we get into all the PR talk. How did you know it was a point to stop each of those businesses? because I was losing money. It was really the bottom line. It was like, this is just not sustainable. I'm amassing personal debt just to keep this business afloat. And I'm just not seeing a path forward that would be profitable. And so it sometimes might have been a passion project that I really, really loved. We just have to be willing to let that go. And the sales and marketing, I was working with a network of law firms. That wasn't really my passion. But I saw that I had an opportunity based on all of the networking and connections and relationships that I had built. So I was able to do that. And I did okay at that for about five years. But unfortunately, that position kind of ended on me. But thankfully, I had seen the writing on the wall and had started Savings Angel about five to six months before that ultimately ended. Beautiful. You know, a lot of people who are listening here also will use this show as a way to understand how they can create a bridge. Let's say they're going close to retirement. They Mm. can start a business six months to a year out. Oh, gosh. Very comfortably, right? And then when they retire, they're not going into, okay, what am I going to do with all my time? They've already gotten the wheels going and some traction happening to a business that now can be their own. Because let's face it, at retirement age these days, a lot of us are just getting started. (laughs) And now we can do something that we really love. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. Not that you don't always love your job. I was one who did. But Mm -hmm. anyway, all right, well, let's bridge over. And I want to start with what might be an obvious question, but I'm very interested in what your thoughts are on this. You know, when I think of PR, I'm thinking of radio, television, print, the traditional things we've always thought about with PR. Yeah. But social media has become such a big thing these days that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have said it's either or. And now it seems like it's all about social media and what's new that's happening on Instagram. And now we've got TikTok and like all of that stuff. Let's talk about that. Like, where does PR play a role? Is it either or? What are your opinions on all that? Sure. So PR is public relations. And so really, it's like communicating to audiences. Many of us think when we say PR, we think media relations. And I look at media today as being a subset of influencers. I think that media are influencers, but then they also have an additional level of authority based on what the media outlet is. 
So if I appear in the Washington Post or in TechCrunch or in Good Housekeeping, you gain a lot of benefit. Most people think that when they do PR, the greatest thing that they're going to get is the visibility, right? They're going to get, oh my gosh, this influencer talked about me. This visibility is amazing. Or if you get to do a local TV segment, and by the way, I've done over 700 TV segments, it's good visibility. But honestly, visibility is only one of six major benefits that you get from doing media, particularly media that carries with it authority. And so the first off would be your own individual authority. Authority is a currency today. And if you have high authority in your industry, you're respected in your space, you just have more opportunities. Like things are just going to be easier for you. You're going to sell more things. People are going to naturally want to do business. If you do paid advertising, your advertising is just going to work a lot better. Partners are going to want to work with you. Influencers are going to want to work with you. Your conversion rate goes up. Your sales cycles go down. It's really the currency that we should all be going after today. Because again, you just don't have to work as hard when you have high authority. Would you equate that also to like social credibility? I mean, if someone came to my website and I was showing that I had been in Forbes or Entrepreneur or something like that, you're at a different level just by that association. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I am much more likely to do business. And we all are. Like I've been studying and leading consumer behavior for 12 years now. And I can tell you that consumers have never been more skeptical because we've just been bombarded and we continue to be bombarded. The American Marketing Association estimates that the average American is exposed to up to 10,000 brand messages a day. That's significant. We just see brands everywhere. We see offers everywhere. Social media, like platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Google, like they're really clamping down because Facebook knows that, and we could talk about this a little bit, but social media is constantly changing. And so when we talk about, oh, well, all I care about is just talking to people on social media and Facebook's always going to take care of me. They're always going to be there for me. And they're always going to provide me a very fair platform to advertise my stuff to audiences. <laughs> Anybody who knows anything <laughs> about Facebook advertising is laughing right now because Facebook is under a lot of pressure to provide a good user experience. And there are a lot of advertisers that are finding that it costs a whole lot more to advertise today compared to a few years ago. And Sue, so just real quick, I'll rifle through some of the other benefits yes. of doing media, but authority is one. Getting the media logos on your site will improve your conversion rate. Bottom line, consistently, we will see an 8 to 20% improvement when we're working with our clients and members of Up My Influence. You definitely get a lot of free social media content to share on your social platforms. Mm -hmm. And people really, really like that. Like we see this all the time. Like if you have a friend that's like, oh my gosh, I actually got to be on TV this morning. Here they are. Here's my candles. Oh my gosh. You know, I can't believe it. Like everyone's going to jump on there and go, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. Like it's a big deal. It really gives a lot of positive affirmation to your existing tribe that they hitched their wagon to the right horse. Like it's gratifying for everybody. It's validation for everybody. You're not bragging about you. You're sharing a win for your community and those who believe like you do or share your passion for your product. So don't ever feel bad about like, you know, getting in the media. It's not really bragging if you do it right. But number four would be you get a lot of relationships with influencers when you do this commonly. And when I say influencers, I include media contacts. And by the way, it's the easiest way to pitch 
media or the easiest audience to pitch is someone that you've already worked with. So if you've already done something together and you have something else where you could be of service to them, then that's going to be very, very good for your chances of getting additional media. Of course, there's the visibility. And then I'd say the final benefit would be your SEO. So if people are searching the web, looking for your content, if Google sees that you're commonly talked about on other high domain authority news websites and blogs and influencers are talking about you, you're just going to rise like you wouldn't believe in the Google algorithm. Google's getting more and more and more and more and more intelligent. And it's not so much about even like those follow links back. It's just, is there buzz around what you do? And if there is, then you're just going to be rewarded for that. Google's just going to show your content to far more people. Right. So let me ask you a question. So of all of the benefits that you've just listed, once you get an article published, let's say, or you're on a show, you still need to take the action of putting those logos on your website. Yes. Doing the free social media, like posts, you know, promoting it for yourself, staying in contact with media context, like there's actions and activities that you have to initiate for your PR to work as well. That's it. Yeah. And most people really don't do this correctly. And that is, is that they think they get, okay, well, I was on TV. There's my win. And that's like, you're only like halfway done. When you pitch, create the segment, blah, 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 you go in, you do it, like you're only halfway done with the job because those people who see you, like they're just getting to know you for the first time. They're not ready to engage with you at a very high level, but they'll follow you on social because they're interested, they're curious. But the people who already know, like, and trust you, those are the ones when you get that visibility, that media, that authority, Those are the ones that are going to be like, you know what? Let me get another order. I'm so glad to see that the outside world validates what I was suspecting early on. Right. So would you say that then getting PR in any shape that it is, is an introductory point and also a credibility play? to start. And then you have to go from there. And the reason I ask that is I've heard so many people, I was just recently at trade show, and I was the moderator of a panel for celebrity chefs. Okay, so I'm talking about Martha Stewart weddings, Food Network, etc, etc, etc. And all of them really were saying that really doesn't hasn't done that much for my sales. There's not a direct correlation, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. When you do that visit, it's because they stop at the visibility. Mm -hmm. Most people, listen, I'll just tell you, like, again, this is 2000 media appearances talking. I obviously we've made a lot of sales when you accumulate them over and over and over again, and you get really good at using that media. Well, that's good. That's how you get the sales. Most people are going to be very underwhelmed when they do TV media, they get quoted, whatever. And they're going to be actually pretty overwhelmed when they become masterful at sharing that content. So if you're quoted in a blog article, you can take that and you can turn that into like five to 10 pieces of social media content very easily. You could slice and dice it, create screenshots. You could do all kinds of stuff with that. Repurposing is honestly one of the greatest skills I think we can have in terms of being able to be more places and more platforms in front of more eyeballs. Right. This is so good, Josh, because I know, Gift Biz listeners, a lot of you have been on your local television shows. 
You've been to trade shows and won awards for your product, potentially. Just a number of different ways that you've had visibility and exposure, but taking it the next step, to your point, Josh, is where most people don't go. So I think a lot of our listeners right now have the content already and they can still use it, right? It doesn't grow old. No, right. I mean, it's very helpful to get fresh and relevant buzz. I mean, that's always good. There's a certain feeling you get when you go to a website and they say, well, here's all the media we've gotten. And then you take a look at it and it's like, oh, okay, well, that was like four years ago. Those are your heydays, I suppose. But you can continue to share that stuff. But don't rest on your laurels because it really matters that you continue to circulate. So, Sue, I spend like 95% of my time in support of Up My Influence now, where we turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities. And I spend 5% of my time with Savings Angel. That 5%, I still do a lot of media. I've been writing a syndicated newspaper column for 10 and a half years. I do TV. I usually do, I'd say on average, maybe like two to five TV segments every single month. I continue to do that, even though I really don't make a lot of money on that. I do it because I want to show that I'm relevant. Like I eat my own dog food. I keep fresh. I want to make sure that I am always tuned into the latest, greatest. I love making sure that I'm connecting and talking with journalists and I'm learning what they see and I ask questions because I got to be in the trenches to make sure that I can advise our clients on that. Right. So a PR strategy should be included in your marketing plan always. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's the difference between having a hunter-gatherer mindset and a farming mindset. And so like advertising and going up and setting up a booth or whatever, that's hunting-gathering. You go, you sell, and you eat for a day or maybe a few days or maybe a few weeks or something like that. But that's about it. If you are constantly investing into the bank of your brand and your authority, then you're going to find that you're just not going to have to work as hard. Things are just naturally going to work out better for you. So a great example of this is I've gone to conferences where I've just been another face in the crowd. I've gone to lots of those. And then I've also gone to conferences where I've been the keynote speaker. <laughs> it is a completely different experience. Like I get way more opportunities out of being a keynote speaker than I do just showing up and like, again, just another face in the crowd. So we want to increase that authority because honestly, it really makes a huge, huge difference. That makes so much sense. What about the differences between the different options like TV, radio, print? Do they serve different purposes or what would you say there? We'll hear Josh's response to this right after we pause for a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So there's media you do for authority. 
And then there's media you do for maybe it's just more visibility. Like you're not going to get as much authority out of working with an influencer, but you should still do it because you get great visibility in front of ideally your target audience. And this is another thing too, in terms of, well, what should I go for? Well, you ideally want to do media that if you want to gain as much value as possible, gain new people into the top of your sales funnel, you want to go where your audience is pre-congregated. And so who has an audience like you serve that audience, bring them value, and then, you know, you don't even have to do And I'd recommend you don't do a hard sale. <laughs> you just bring as much value as you can, tell stories, and you'll find that that audience will naturally resonate with you if they feel like you've got integrity and you have their best interests at mind. Now, in terms of platform, like whether we're talking, you know, should you collaborate with a YouTuber? Should you be on TV? Should you be in radio? Should you be in print? I say yes. I say yes to all of the above. I generally will do about anything I can get because I know that the greatest value is going to be how I use that. So for me, I do want to pay attention to, well, what is the perceived authority of this outlet? And many times a print or broadcast outlet, although they might not have as many eyeballs, is going to carry more authority. So I want to balance my visibility and authority, always be working on my authority. And meanwhile, always try to get in front of as many eyeballs as possible with my message. All right, perfect. So let's bring this down to be a little more actionable for some of our listeners. If they've never really thought PR before, and I can guarantee you a lot haven't, they've either had local news stations approach them because they've heard about something that they're doing in the community. So they bring their cameras in. So it was never intentional. It just kind of happened. But most of the time, I think all of our efforts have been on social media posting, (laughs) which was why I asked that question earlier. But if someone's understanding now that I should take a more active role and influence my future, kind of like what you were saying with your quote earlier, what would be the first steps for somebody to take to start getting some visibility? And I'm talking more on a local level now. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to be respected by influencers, by media, I mean, honestly, by customers, by everybody, is that you have to take your own brand very seriously. And I mean, that's kind of part of our Up My Influence community is that we together really take our brands very seriously and know, Sue, that we live in a swipe left, swipe right world. We are earning consumers and everybody's attention, like honestly, like four to eight seconds at a time. And the idea is that you want to communicate that you can solve their problem or there's a lot of social proof behind what you do or that you're a professional brand. You're not some fly by night organization. Your quality is excellent. When we meet in person, we have this immense benefit of this kind of this person to person communication, which is very impactful. But most of us do business over the web. And because of that, we have what's known as a digital barrier. So the idea is that it's kind of like online dating. It's like if you are going to have a dating profile, do you want a bad profile or do you want a really, really great profile that truly shows who you truly are? We want that. We want a really great profile. We want great pictures. We want great description. We want to show our heart. We want to attract people. And so that's what we need to do with our branding. And when I say branding, uh, let's make this very simple. Number one, your social media profiles need to communicate that you're a very popular service or product. Like people really like what you have to offer. 
And so you'll start by making sure you've got great images. And again, I'm talking about your profile, not even what you're sharing. What you're sharing is very important as well. But what people's first impression of you is generally going to be, what's your header image? What's your profile image? What's in your description? And then they might look at stuff like, well, how many followers do you have? And that's something that you can work on as well, is really building that up. We work with a lot of author, speaker, coaches without my influence. And so sometimes we get a speaker and they'll say, well, I'm only able to get like X thousands of dollars for a speaking gig. And I look at their social media and I say, well, let me ask you, what's the difference between a speaker who has 400 followers and a speaker that has 40,000 followers? And they'll say generally, well, the speaker that has 40,000 followers is probably making more money. That's right. So we need to very actively work on growing followers. And I'll be honest, like I know best practices for this generally. It's not really in my zone of excellence. There are a lot of people that could talk about growing your social media following. And you don't have to stress out about this if you're just getting started and you don't have that yet. That's okay. But this is something that we want to work toward. My low-hanging fruit that I would point out is if I go to your social media profile and it's just unprofessional or you don't have good imagery, you don't have a good headshot of yourself, People, depending on your business, most businesses, when we engage, we like to engage with people, not things or faceless corporations. So I know we want to highlight our goods, but there's a way that you can do that with our branding, your cover image on your social media account, where you can show your product and service, but also show you because people can connect with you much more readily than only your product or service. So that should give you some indications on what your social media accounts should probably look like. You're so right. And this is something that everybody can do immediately is go look at your social media platforms and just make sure everything is in sync. First, you should be consistent across all your platforms, obviously. And everything that you just said, Josh, in terms of personality in there, good images, all of that. The other thing that I would just add to what you're saying is you should be regularly posting so that someone doesn't come to your Facebook page, let's say, and the last post you did was four months ago. We all know that you're not going to get a lot of organic reach. And I'm an advocate now of posting regularly. I normally say two to three times a week on Facebook, not assuming everyone's going to see you and come to buy your stuff. But it's to the point that if someone lands on your page, which is what Josh is talking about, there's something that is fresh and new on a regular basis because then it looks like you're actively engaged with your business and your brand. Yeah, for sure, Sue. And a couple of things you can do is you just have to schedule it and you just say, listen, Monday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, Friday, I'm not going to be doing any sales anyway. So from 9 to 9.30 on those three days, you got to be really focused on engaging with your audience sharing valuable stuff. Don't get caught into the newsfeed suck. You know, you got to be very, very diligent focused and just say, listen, these three 30 minute blocks are for sharing content only. And you'll do things like participate in Facebook groups and be helpful and things like that. Yes. Just give away your expertise. Go answer questions. Just be a nice person in terms of engaging on other communities. But on your own, you got to keep doing it. And I know, so a lot of people will get frustrated, like, okay, I did that and only three people saw it. That's just the way that it's going to be. Again, Facebook is very much a pay for play platform now. And Instagram is absolutely becoming that way as well. So it just is what it is. Yeah. It's not for people to organically see you. It's for the people who come to find you. Yes. Yes. To see that there's activity going on. That's it. Yep. Yeah. But I also liked your point about going in and being active in other people's groups because you get visibility, bring value there. Okay. So let's be done with that part. So the brand and social media, 
Now what? Towards the goal of getting some type of local TV radio print spot. What do you do then? Right. And the reason I mention that is because, again, media is absolutely going to judge you. So if you do reach out and your branding looks horrible, they're going to ghost you. And you're going to be like, oh, maybe they didn't like what I said. No, it was probably okay, but they can't risk bad guests. If you want to do TV, it's mandatory that you have video on your website or in your social media. And you have to make sure that they see that. TV will not book you. Maybe small, small, small market will, but medium and large and certainly national is no way. And by the way, I should say, like if you live in a market like Chicago or Atlanta or certainly LA, New York, you're going to have to go to a smaller market. Even Orlando, where I live, is pretty accessible. I think pretty much anyone can get on air in a market like around that size or under is pretty accessible. Miami gets a little bit tougher for people. Like we've done thousands and thousands of pitches. We just know what works. So now what should you pitch? Okay, here's my general guideline for this. When you pitch something, you don't want a response of, oh, okay, I mean, I guess we could do a story on that. We weren't really planning on it. So it's tough when you're creative, right? You're going to have to think a little bit outside the box. Now, the best piece of advice I can give you for designing a pitch is that you learn about newsjacking. If you go to my YouTube channel, I did a really great 20-minute video all about the elements of just a perfect newsjacking pitch. And what newsjacking basically means is that you're looking for things that are trending on social media. You're looking for things that people are already talking about. And you need to make the story about that, not you. People and business owners sometimes don't like to hear this, but honestly, most people just don't really care about what you do. And I know we care a great deal about what we do, but it's just the reality. Unless it's something that's like really trending right now and you happen to be a part of that, like with extreme couponing, it was very, very easy for us to say, hey, everyone's talking about extreme couponing right now. I've got a news story that's related to that. And I trust me, I had some really great. I, we did a 20 minute segment I did on WGN in Chicago, and we did more business in that 20 minutes. You know, if you get a really good deal, it can make a big difference. Like we did more business in that 20 minutes than I did the previous month. So it can happen just depending on what you get. But don't get big dealitis, right? Everybody does that where they're, oh, if I could only get Oprah to talk about me or Ellen or whatever, right? Trust me, they get bombarded with everything. Just earn your way there. That's the way to do it. Do lots of local media where it's easy to get to. And again, focus on a pitch where the journalist, instead of saying, oh, gee, I guess, I mean, we weren't really planning on doing a story or I don't know if we really have time to do that. You don't want to set yourself up for failure like that pitch something where it's like, you know, everyone's really, really talking about like, and you just have to be creative. And this is one of these things where if you sell candles, you're gonna have to watch the news. And if someone like, oh, who played Pepper Potts? This is embarrassing. I can't remember. And Gwyneth Paltrow, like she's a real trendsetter. And so Gwyneth Paltrow posts something on Instagram and it gets a lot of traffic and it starts trending a little bit and it has anything to do with your product or service. You need to know about that. You need to be the eyes and the ears for your industry, even if you sell something like, I don't know, like it could be anything. You have to be really, really hyper aware of when influencers or celebrities feature or talk about your industry, your product line, anything like that. And when that happens, you need to jump on it and you need to drop everything you are doing. You need to move very, very quickly 
and you need to say, oh my gosh, this is trending right now. Would love to come in and do a story. I can be available tomorrow to do a story on whatever it is. So I could see, I'm just kind of thinking and trying to brainstorm for our listeners. Since there are a lot of product makers, seasonality could be something. Yes. It could also be a certain scent or a certain flavor, right, that you have that's kind of unusual or different that happens to be trending. Right now, we're recording this in the fall, right before Thanksgiving. The show is going to go live in January. But right now, pumpkin spice is all the rage. Oh, yeah, of course. That's an easy one. That's a layup as far as a pitch goes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just thinking of different ideas and the way that could work. And it works. And it absolutely works. Yeah. Remember when bacon and chocolate was like the newest thing? Yeah. Like things like that. Yep. You got to be clever and you got to think outside the box. And sometimes this is where people struggle with this. And so ask your audience. I'd say be very, very careful about hiring PR people. I'd say it would be better. You want to pay people what they're worth and that sort of thing. But I could just tell you that, like, Sue, I spent $25,000 on PR for Savings Angel and almost had, I mean, had next to nothing to show for it. And that can happen. And certainly I don't want that to happen to other people. There's a lot of ways you can crowdsource this and you could just go for a walk and just think or just start doing some keyword searching in Google News or social media. You have to just experiment. And again, the best way to do that is just block off 30 minutes in your schedule and say, this is brainstorming time. And I'm just going to see what people are talking about when it comes to gift giving or whatever it might be. And then you want to just get in on that. So I'm thinking with print, you pitch a story and then if it's accepted, then you write the article or someone comes and interviews you or something like that. So that I'm just going to say for time's sake now is a little bit more clear cut. But what if you get a chance to have a local television spot and this is a brand new thing for people? What should they expect? Like how do they need to prepare or what should they expect either if they're going to the station or someone's coming with cameras on site? Yeah, make it so easy for the reporter. I mean, basically just go and write the story for them. The easier you make it for them, the more that they are going to be like, oh my gosh, thank you for making my job easy. Being a broadcast journalist, I can just tell you from experience, is one of the most difficult jobs in terms of stress. It's generally very low pay. The hours are ridiculous. The expectations, if you're in broadcast media, are just very, very tough. So anything you can do to make their life easier They know now that you can be not just a trusted source, but a partner in this. So I write out all the questions. I said, here's five questions you could ask. Here's bullet points. Here's some stats that you can throw in for like the intro or something like that. I mean, I basically write everything for them. (laughs) I make it really, really easy. And then just be practiced without sounding too rehearsed. But you just want to practice this and do this over and over again, which is another reason why it's important to start small, because you want to refine your messaging. You want to get good at this. There's nothing worse than being on TV and just freezing, which totally happens. So you want to put yourself like the best way to practice this, like is honestly is set up cameras, put a camera in your face, practice on just what it's like to have a bunch of bright lights in your face, a lot of pressure, a lot of people watching you and a lot of people judging you like or you feel like they're judging you because that's what you're going to feel like the first time that you do media. The first 10 times you do it, you're not going to be that great. You're just not. And it's OK. Like you'll get better at this. 
do as best as you can to try and practice, like do Skype or Zoom video interviews, do live streams, as many of those as you can. And you'll get more comfortable in speaking on the fly, being able to look into the, like, and obviously on TV, you're actually not going to look into the camera in almost every single case. You don't do that. That actually is easier than live, in my opinion. You kind of forget that you have cameras on you and you're talking to whoever's interviewing you. I think that's That's easier than live, where there's nobody even there that you see. (laughs) You see them by comments, but that's it. That's right. Don't worry about performing. But what you do want to make sure is that you get very good at communicating the things that you need to communicate. So it's like we'd call these talking points, right? And so, and I've done TV where maybe a brand was involved and they were paying me to make sure that I conveyed that certain messaging. And so that one, you definitely need to make sure that you're well-practiced in being able to do that because the interview may not go, like they can ask you anything they want. So that's another benefit to writing the questions for them is that chances are good. They'll probably ask you those questions. Again, most journalists are overworked. I don't I want to say lazy. They're not. It's just hard. There's just only so much time and you just have to produce all these segments and you're just given like minutes to do this stuff sometimes. Right. And I think another thing is just to be yourself. Don't try to come across as this big professional, whoever. Just be yourself as the owner of your business, because the worst thing I've seen on TV, and I've also somewhat had this when I've done podcast interviews, is they're so concerned about what they're saying and the impression that they're giving that it's very monotone and just kind of boring. And then if it's video, it's like deer in headlights. Just be (laughs) who you are, own who you are, and come with all of that genuine you. For sure. Right? Because you want to see the personality as someone who's watching too. Yeah. And so when I say kind of work on your talking points, there's certain messages that you want to make sure to share. Now, performance-wise, again, your whole goal is to be approachable and likable. And that's the sort of thing that will come with time. But to your point, you're right. It's better to relax and be imperfect than it is to be overly polished. Being overly polished, it's like, it's icky, right? And so we want to avoid that. No one will trust you either. No, absolutely. Yeah, we do a lot of like media training where we'll take a look at how someone did on TV. And let me tell you, like I work with some experts in communication, you know, maybe they're expert speakers and we get them on TV. One guy in particular, I spent an hour analyzing a three minute segment and talking about his body language. And when you leaned forward like this, there was this male-female dynamic that you need to be aware of that it comes across as there's just all of these sensitivities and just all this everything, you know, the way you hold your face, the way you pause or don't pause between certain points. It's I still make lots of mistakes. A lot of times it's hard to be our own coach is why it's really important to then get feedback from people and say, please roast me. Be very honest. What could I have done to improve this? And then just practice that. Mm-hmm. But also don't let that be a hindrance to getting out there and doing it either. No, because again, you're going to be imperfect. It's okay. Right. And you know, they always say there's a thing with podcasting that they say all the time now that is if your very first episodes aren't cringeworthy, yes. you started way too late. Yes, yes. Right. I totally agree. Totally agree. Go and listen to your favorite podcaster. Go back and listen to their first few podcasts. Like there's a guy that really helped me at the beginning and starting was uh, Pat Flynn. 
And if you go and listen to his first few podcasts, they are really bad. <laughs> yeah, he tells people to go and listen to Well, mine aren't that great either, but oh, you guys can go horrible. listen if you want. But you only get better by doing is the thing. That's absolutely true. I just don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to be that polished. So I'm just not going to do it. It just requires doing it a bunch of times. So, and that's okay. And that's why I said, you know, your first 10 are probably not going to be that great, but that's, it's activity knowledge. So there's learn knowledge, activity knowledge, modeling knowledge, and teaching knowledge are the four ways that we learn. And activity knowledge is easily 10 times more powerful and memorable than, you know, doing the thing than just learning it, like hearing it on a podcast or hearing it on, like, I can teach you this stuff, but until you apply it, it's all just very academic at this point. And you won't know until you do it. Okay. So I want to summarize some action steps and you tell me if I've got them all or if we need to add anything, Josh. But I'm thinking for those of you who are listening, who are like, okay, so I'm still trying to figure out how I would apply this and do this for myself, is the first thing, check how you're looking online, make sure that everything is branded consistently, that everything is filled in, that you're presenting the proper image. The second thing is, what are you going to pitch? And so I love this news jacking. I'm going to find that YouTube video and connect it up in the show notes for you guys. But what's the story? What's the point? Make it as relevant to current situations as you can, because that will increase your potential of being accepted for either an article or a spot, whatever it's going to be. Then submit questions if you can, so that you have a better advantage of knowing exactly what they're going to ask you. Practice a little bit. Hopefully a lot of you guys are doing live already, so you're already practicing and you don't even know it. And most importantly, above all, take action and do it. Even if you don't feel like you're quite ready, do it because of all the advantages. I'll go back. You know, there's the six benefits that Josh was talking about to doing this. I'm not going to repeat them now, but you can go back and listen to what those are because it definitely can help you. And I think the best thing I heard you say, Josh, is to do this will just make the growth of your business easier. Yeah. And we're all looking for that. Yeah, for sure. Just two other things I'd throw into that mix. Number one, spend a little time getting to know who you're reaching out to. And definitely, above all, do not sell. If you send a pitch and it's all about you and selling your products, you are dead in the water. Journalists just, they cringe at that because I get bad pitches like that almost every day. And 99.99% of them, I just junk them. And that's what, unfortunately, that's what everybody does because they're just thinking about, oh, I would love to sell my products on air. Well, that's not the job of TV. They don't want you selling your products on air. That's why they have paid advertisers for. <laughs> right. Your job is to bring value to that audience, make an entertaining and enjoyable segment or even a news story. It's to help out with the story. It's not to promote your thing. Now, you may be able to promote your thing, but you just got to be cool about it. It's indirect. Yes. Tell stories about how you help people rather than or tell stories about how people use your product and have benefited from your product as opposed to starting going through the feature set and pricing. Like, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Share with us a little bit more about what services you offer with Up My Influence. Well, we believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. And so we kind of work on this premise of what if the number one reason that your customers weren't buying from you is you just don't have the social proof. You're just not being seen in the media. And so as a result, we fix that. And we do that at one fifth the cost of a normal PR firm. 
And I only share that just to let you know that we're not some pricey PR firm because I've blown the money and I know what it's like. We really serve early stage startups. We serve a lot of people that might be kind of the solopreneur level. And even if you never pay me a dime, you could spend years just going through all the content that we give away for free. And I just believe very, very much in that concept of you just give away what other people charge money for, and then you're investing in relationships. But everything that I share is all found on upmyinfluence.com. And if you want to connect to like my YouTube, et cetera, you just down in the lower left-hand corner, we have over 100,000 people in our social media communities, and you're welcome to join us and would truly be an honor to kind of make 2020 your year where you go from feeling invisible to being seen and celebrated. And that's what our community does together. Oh, that sounds super exciting, Josh. I love that. <laughs> that's a perfect sentence. Where do you see Up My Influence going in the future? We're completely scaling. I mean, as we're talking right now, we're going through hyper growth. We've quadrupled in size since the beginning of 2019. Wow. Yeah, 2020 is, we have an unlimited number of people coming through the front door. It's now just how do we handle this and how can we make sure that we keep our quality of service? So we do a lot of media placements for our clients. We guarantee results. We don't do long-term contracts. And you just won't see that in the PR world. And then, like I said, we're like one-fifth the cost of what they charge. So that's why we're kind of, <laughs> we're having a problem right now with like, oh, uh, we can't onboard this many people. It's a growth problem. <laughs> that's our biggest challenge. And what's interesting from a business perspective, it brings up unique, it really stress tests your organization. And it is a challenge, whether you're going up or down in business. It's a good problem to have, but it's absolutely something that we've been experiencing. Well, it's exciting to hear, I mean, quadrupling your number in one year is huge. And it's not like you just started yesterday. So you're not talking from a small number to begin with, because I know I think I met you four or five years ago, actually. And so whatever number you're quadrupling, I know isn't a tiny number. So congratulations on that. That is so exciting. Remember, Gift Biz listeners, go over to Up My Influence. There's a lot of free information there. Josh, so much good information. My background is journalism, so I come out of the industry. But you've told me some things here that I didn't know before. You've shared such great information with our listeners. I just appreciate you so much being on the show. Sue, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I love Josh's phrase about making success all but inevitable. And after hearing how and why it's so valuable for your business, I hope you join me in adding visibility as an initiative you will give attention to this year. Up next week, I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest and her brand new product, She's building a solid brand while working a full-time corporate job, like many of you are. It can be done, and she talks about how. I'll see you next week, and make sure before you sign off to subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode. They'll be ready and waiting for you when you have listening time. Bye for now. Are you discouraged because your business is not performing as you had envisioned? Are you stuck and confused about how to turn things around? Sue's best-selling book is structured to help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from Sue and owners just like you who are seeing real growth and are living their dream. Maker to master. Find and fix what's not working in your small business. 
get it on Amazon or through www.giftbizunwrapped.com master.